Welcome. You're listening to Sanseet, where you'll find everything to do with spirituality, life lessons, holistic living, and medicine to become your true self. We all have stories, journeys, experiences, and love. Here's your host, Erin O'Dowd. Hello and welcome. On today's show, our guest is John Nelson. He is a writer, an author, and an editor. Hello and welcome to the show, John. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Nice to, uh, nice that you include me on your show. Yes, excellent. Tell us about how you got to start writing. How I got to start writing? Oh, wow. You know, I think I wrote my first novel. Actually, it was, it was at, I was at Catholic uh, High School, I think it was. And uh, I, I wrote like a 100-page short novel uh, based on a pirate story after, after reading uh, Robert Louis Stevenson's uh, Kidnap, I think it was. And the teacher at the nun said, you had to brush up on your grammar and spelling, but the story reads really well. So I guess I just came to this nap from a past life. So, uh, and then I wrote my first uh, long novel. It was never published, 18 or 19 years old. I think I called it uh, These Bonds of Anguish. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, it wasn't published. <laughs> and I just, you know, I just went from there. Uh, followed my impulse and uh, I decided to, to follow that path. You know, I, I wasn't advertising for a little bit. I was a copywriter, which is one of the people you can get paid for writing, you know, marketing and writing. And then after a while, I just, I dropped out and started waiting tables so I could write. And I wrote my first novel, Starbook, uh, back in 1978. Actually, I wrote it back in 1977. It was published in 78 by a small company in Norfolk, Virginia called The Dining Company. Uh, and I was lucky. Uh, it was run by uh, Robert Friedman, who became a lifelong friend and uh, published my later novel. Going from publisher to publisher, do you learn things to critique the books to make them more uh, digestible for the readers? It's, it's, inter- it's interesting because uh, I, I really have not worked. I've had five novels published. I've really worked with copy editors. I did work with, on Matrix of the Dust. I did work with Frank DeMarco uh, from Hanford uh, on that book. He gave me suggestions, but not a whole lot that I followed. I instinctively just follow my own path. And the result is uh, I've had uh, criticism, uh, good criticism, about uh, had, I had worked with an, uh, an editor here or there. I have uh, improved the accessibility of the, of the work. Because uh, I have a tendency, uh, especially my novel, to, to like I think James said, "You write for yourself." I said, "Yeah," <laughs> <laughs> and it can be obscure at, at times, and so I just have to bite the bullet on that. But uh, we'll see about that. I, you know, I'm definitely open to suggestions and had feedback that I that I've incorporated, but I've just done it on my own mostly. And and this book in particular, I just sat down two summers ago, I've always wanted to write a book uh, about some of the practices that I had that I've done and, and looking around the world and having edited books on 12-step programs and things like that, I can see the great need of people clearing from uh, so the everyday uh, affront front every day. And I think I've, I have some practices that would help people 
across the board. And so I sat down and, and wrote this flat out in about two months. Uh, and hopefully try to get a big time publisher interested, but it was too, it was too uh, controversial, I think. Uh, some, of the, some of the exercises and so, but Bob loved it and decided to publish it. And, and it just came out in paperback version uh, this past month. Well, what made you go and sit down and spend two months to write it? You know, I, I think, again, it was looking around. And I have, you know, I'm 70 years old, and I have more energy than people. I've had people I haven't seen in 25 years going back to attend funerals or weddings, and they'll say, you, you look younger today than you did 25 years ago. I said, well, I did 30 years of pitch to a twain. <laughs> and I've reclaimed a lot of that energy. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not stuck in some of the programs I see people stuck in. And so it was just like these techniques were brought like some higher aspect of myself or some angelic guidance, some would say. I decided, you know, by inner prompting that it was time to share these with people because I think there's a lot that I have to share. Uh, that could help. You know, one of the things that was the impetus of this book, and the original title, believe it or not, was The Major Offender's Guide to Healing. And of course, my publisher said, no, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to sell any books with that title. And so it, it was pretty easy, and the book was pretty broad-based. It applied to everybody. It's concerned, uh, I think initially, with men in particular who have been trapped by their histories or repentant of the trees from murder ever, and there's a chapter called The Dark Matter that uh, just drives a lot of people crazy because I deal with that and uh, with, no, with no judgment involved. And how can you go back uh, and recapitulate and erase the cords created uh, by some of the heinous act that you, if you were truly repentant? And so that was part of the impetus of one small part in, in a much larger book. And I think what people out of that prism that prison, uh, we'll see is that on a day-to-day -day basis, constantly with people, especially if you're married. I remember going to my uh, cardiologist, and as he was checking the ovary, he said, are you married? I said, what does do with anything? He said, well, married men have a lot more stress than unmarried men. <laughs> <laughs> and so the upfronts that we have, and I, and I give examples in my book. I said, you know, you have, a, you have an argument with somebody, not violent, but it's just a really intense argument. I, you don't realize in that argument that you have created energetic cords of energy that get attached to their energy body. And you may walk away from that confrontation, but those cords are alive and still draining you of some small part of your energy. And people will say, well, yeah, you know, one or two arguments like that. Yeah, if you constantly have these, which we do, you know, whether I've just recently, you know, I had to watch myself with an IT person in India uh, trying to correct a computer problem. It was just like, oh my God. It was just, and afterwards, I had to recapitulate the experience, and it was went on. You know, I, I removed all those cords, my angry cords, his angry cords, and I just moved on with it. And what I tell people, I said, yeah, this might seem inconsequential, but if you're a, an angry person, like a lot of us are in our 20s and 30s, from whatever, and you and you create 10 or 12 of these, all, you know, you're going to be draining the life force energy of you, and eventually it's going to lead to disease and illness and death. So. This is a technique, recapitulation, Castaneda's work that I that I read, I first came upon. I think it's like I he published the book The Eagles Gift in 1992, but I came upon it in the late 80s 
and uh, 1982, I think, in the late 80s, I saw this application. And I read Victor Sanchez's, I think in 1995, called The Teaching of Dark Carlos, where he explicated the, uh, the practice even more. Uh, and I started seeing it, and I started seeing in my own life, you know, how cleared up these, these situations with people. You know, and then, I mean, I, I say in a book, uh, I had a friend in, in New York City, she calls me and she's having this uh, relationship with a guy and she can't get free of it. And it's kind of, it hasn't gone into a physical abuse yet, but it's hit that direction. So I want to recapitulate the whole experience. She said, what is that? So I explained over the phone how to do it. Uh, and since she was pretty uh, advanced in, in, in many ways, she sat down, did it, and calls me back about three or four weeks later and says, I recapitulated the whole experience with all these sexual experiences, all the arguments, all everything, and we broke it off. And I ran into I ran into him in a park, and it was like nothing had ever, we never had any negative history. It's like there was no negative history anymore. And we had a very cordial conversation and went our separate way. <laughs> so, you know, so that's the type, I think some of these practices, and that's only one of a dozen or two or two dozen practices in the book that I think that we can use on a daily basis, that people can use on a daily basis to free these cords, free their energy, and, and be more whole and complete for the, the important things in life, which is the raw consciousness, what the last two thirds of the book is about. First third is about overcoming trauma and abuse and, and practices that will help with that. And the, and the next two thirds is about raising our consciousness, you know, from the various practices that I've used over the last 50 years. So when you talk about cords, what do you mean, like energetic cords or explain, please? Okay, let me explain, let me explain. In order, in, that, in like the first chapter of the book, I talk about energetic, the energetic bodies around us. We're not just our physical body, of course. We have energetic bodies that surround us. The first one is the etheric body, which is the formative body that creates the, uh, that creates the architecture for the creation of the fleshy or the physical body. And we go on from there from other bodies, the, uh, the etheric body, we go on to the, the uh, lower and upper mental bodies, the spiritual body, the causal body. All these bodies surround us. These are dead bodies. And, and what happens now, Toltecs or Casaneda, they're, they're, I don't get into that as much as just saying that we are surrounded by an A-shaped energetic body or cocoon. And that uh, when we have emotional exchanges with other, emotional, sexual, physical exchanges with other people, we create cords of energy that reach out and connect these people. Now, cords of energy get in, get impinged into their energetic body, this cocoon of shell that surrounds us. Uh, and it draws energy from them and they draw energy from us. And what happens is that as, a, as an infant, we have 100% of your energetic body incomplete. But as we go through life and, 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 we, and we accumulate more of these experiences, more of these encounters, and we lose more and more of our energy until we come to a point for a lot of people in their 30s or 40s or 50s where their energetic body is so impaired that they can't maintain their physical health, their mental health, or their emotional health. And with Castaneda's, in Castaneda's lore, Adama Matus talks about how the ancient Toltecs, 
realize that people recapitulate or review their entire life before they die. And so from there, they ascertain that, you know, the clear the energetic bodies of it were, they ascertain this technique of recapitulation where you go in, remember the experience, you relive it as if you're actually there. And a lot of people will say, well, isn't the past the past we all forget it? I said, no, it's living in your body right now. These cords are still imprinted in your body. Living with that anger, you're living with impingement right now. And so they created a technique, a simple breathing technique, where you, from the right, you put your head over your right shoulder, and as you relive the experience, you breathe in, and you, and you pull back uh, you, you breathe in and you you inhale, you breathe in and pull back the cords that you have sent it to the other person during this experience. And then you exhale, going from your left shoulder to your right shoulder, and you remove the cords put in you by that experience from the other person. It, it seems very simple. And it is very simple. But to practice, you know, and, and, and really getting into the feel, but these are feelings, this is feelings. We're talking about feelings. So getting into the experience and reliving it in detail so you can smell what's happening, so you can see what's happening in order to really root out these cords. It's a basic practice. I had a couple of long magazine and New Dawn magazine last year where I explained it in great detail. And in in the book, I spent six chapters devoted to it. And I talk about all the implications and ramifications of it and and also some of the patients about it as well. So, uh, yeah, that is basically, and, and if you do that, you know, and you do that consistently. Now, Colin Pineda and Victor Sanchez, who wrote, as I said, book The Teachings of Don Carlos, and a book on recapitulation, it's a, a whole book on recapitulation, I suggested to him, third party, when I was the editor at Darren Company. They, they get into this, uh, and their practice is to relive every moment of your life. To go back and relive every exchange, everything, and, and release all of that. They have, you know, Carlos Castaneda in particular, uh, and wants to, he, insist, he has his, his students do that to uh, release what is called their double other the wow uh, from the tonal, which is the ego part of us. Uh, and so, like I say in the book, there were a lot of things involved with both the uh, teachers uh, in regards to this practice that didn't interest me. I was more interested in, and which I say in the book, and which I focus on the book, and using it as a practice to release trauma and abuse from the past and to maintain myself so that doesn't happen in the present. So that's the purpose of the book. Uh, you know, you can go to Victor Sanchez, he gives workshops, uh, and in his workshops, he has you sit in a box all night long for three or four nights and recapitulate your whole life. After you spent three or four weeks writing a list of every person in your life from the present to the past. So there are various ways of approaching this. I think uh, people coming to my book, given the subtitle, are interested in its application uh, for, for healing, abuse, and trauma. And later, might uh, they might, and once they clear that, uh, and go back to these other works and these other authors and, and find something of real value from them. So yeah, it sounds like it's your energetic uh, Swiss army knife. You can just 
rip everything apart and start from scratch again, you know? Yes, 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 it, it is, it is. And like a friend um, who, you know, used it to release herself from this uh, soon-to-be abusive relationship and, and, and does it daily like I do, uh, it really does help uh, maintaining your energetic body and your attitude. And I've used it, and it's so pervasive. I mean, uh, what I talk about in the book is, you know, so what I, I have a daily practice of doing, so I noticed that uh, this was a while back, maybe back 10 years or so. I noticed that sometimes at night I couldn't, I was having people sleeping. So I would sit up and I would sweep my energetic body using this back and forth breath. And what I discovered on occasion was that I had that Friday night or that Saturday night or whatever it was, go up to see a movie that had some toxic violence in it. And when I sat there, I could see that chords had been formed between me and the actors or whatever, or maybe the movie itself was just an energetic and created an energetic being. And I could see the record. So I recapitulated that and it was gone. And I, and I, and I fell asleep like a baby. You know, so I explore things like that. How, and, and in the same vein, this really said, I went to see a spy movie in 1980. I thought it was going to be another John LeClaire movie. But it had so much toxic violence. I came out of the parking lot and I couldn't drive home because I could just feel all that energy in my system. And so in the parking lot, it took me 10 minutes to recapitulate the experience, break those cords, free of it. You, everyone would like to be free of some of the horrendous experiences you had in your life. You know, especially who have had deep abuse issues or are the perpetrators of those deep abuse issues. Uh, I'm just, I've contacted prison programs in the United States and I have a prison program that's waiting for my books. I'm getting a publisher. I'm sending them a dozen books so they can, because I think, really think this technique can not only empty prisons of second of, of, of past offenders, but uh, 12 step programs as well, because it applies to 12 step programs. What happens to step programs? Uh, you you release yourself to your higher power, and with that grace, you're able to overcome maybe your drug addiction or your addiction. But what happens is that you go into a 12 step program, and everybody's smoking up a storm because they haven't released the cords that create the that made them drink, made them uh, be abusive. And so until they do that, I don't think they've, re they've really, really reclaimed energy and they were free of it. And I think if they, and I have, a, I have a whole chapter called the One Step Program in book where I talk about how to apply these techniques and some other things like focusing, using gentlemen's focusing, feeling techniques, non-talk therapy techniques that you can apply to these kinds of situations, in addition to the step programs. And I think we'll have a great deal of more impact on people's lives. You don't realize how energy is around us from the prison to the day-to-day -day living to brushing your teeth, etc. You don't realize until you have these experiences and you realize, oh my god, energy is, is around us. And I think the title of your book is fantastic. A guide for energetic healing is saying, here's the roadmap to clean yourself the way you have a shower or brush your teeth at nighttime. Exactly. Uh, like I say, even though I've done a thousand hours of this, uh, and that might be an exaggerated number, but I haven't actually gone back and counted it. <laughs> but uh, this doesn't mean you, you have to recapitulate 
it could be, uh, depending on who you are and what your history is, that there may be a dozen or two dozen important relationships or aggravated relations, even assaults, you know, or whatever, that you need to go in that are impinging on you. Use this technique to free yourself of that. And then if you're not compelled to, to go further, that's fine. But I think, because what happens with these kinds of problems will go to psychiatrists and psychologists and for everything. And I even talk in the book, I said some of these, especially 12-step programs, some of these, uh, some of these uh, problems will have from, from uh, alcohol and drug abuse are horrendous and, and they require that kind of work. But the problem, and Mr. Sanchez talks about this in his books as well, is that talk psychiatry is a, is an ego, re- is the eat mind review of past. And at the end of this, you may understand very clearly a mental point of view, why you do what you do, what you did, but you haven't freed yourself from it. And that's why so few people come out of there totally transformed. Now, Eugene Denlin, which I mentioned in the book, I have a chapter on his work as well, was a talk psychiatrist in the 1960s in Chicago. And we discovered that 1% of clients that he had over a long period, long practice, actually experienced through emotional change. And what they did, and, and watching them over a period of years, he saw that they were all doing the same thing. When these horrendous feelings and emotions came up, they didn't take refuge in mind. They didn't think themselves through it. What they did is they felt their way through it. The, the, the feelings would come up and they would feel their way through it. And what he noticed with them, came, or sometimes, or maybe often, I'm not exactly how he put it, he would see their body shift. And when their body shifted, uh, they integrated that energy, and you could just feel the release in their body. He said you could feel the release in the room because some huge block had been uncovered and integrated. And so he created a tech called Focusing. Uh, he wrote a book about it that uh, sold about 500,000 copies from 1970 onward. And what he does is he shows you how to uh, and I show you in the book too. I I I take a I think the I do it a whole page practice on how to use a practice. And of course he has he has you can go to him on YouTube and he can explain to you on YouTube you book. But he talks about how to create a gestalt or how to create a situation where something's bothering you. You feel the way what is bothering you. You don't ask questions. You just feel. But you just feel it. It usually happens that a part of your body, like your shoulder, your chest, your leg, your heart, and you can feel the tension there. And actually, you ask it. You say, "What is that?" And and don't don't try to mentalize it. But you feel your way through it. And eventually, if you do it properly, if what is bothering you will come up, and you'll see it, and your body automatically shifts. And it will automatically shift and integrate that energy. And this just shows you this little practice that even with recapitulation, all that energy that's tied up, and even in this psychiatric practice and this, this little psychiatric technique, energy that gets tied up in these emotions and these complexes that we have and how to free them using this technique. Now, I'm using this technique uh, for 30, 30 years from the mid, I, I actually, I learned it living in Los Angeles. I was living 
I was renting a room from a woman who was a healer, and she was using this practice in her practice in Glendale, and she sh so she showed me how to use it, and I, and I started reading Gemini, and I now so I do it, and I got to, and the new thing about this is once you've done the initial clearing, you can sit with it and say, well, anything underneath that, and then go in and feel what was the precipitating factor for that. I've done that and going down 20 levels to to what was happening in the present, going referring back to something that happened to me was that when I was six or seven years old. You know, you can take it all the way down. Now, once you practice it and do this extensively, you get into being able to do it spontaneously. Now I can do it if I'm if I'm driving in the car and the negative thought comes up, I can just want well, continue to drive, I can feel it, and and I do a tough shift. Now I have a really funny story about that. I have a friend, uh, we'll just call her a doctor, and, and because she is uh, a doctor, who I've known for years, I've known for eight, actually for about 30 years, and she keeps pushing my butt. And so, in her presence, I have occasionally recapitulated, not recapitulated, but I focused, and, and then the focus technique would be, and at one point she said, John, you know, I have a neurological problem. I said, no. You're pushing my button, and I'm, I'm, I'm focusing and shifting the energy to free myself of it. And she said, oh, come on. So she pulled out her iPhone. I had to go to Eugene's book on Amazon, and she started reading. She said, well, you might have a point. <laughs> 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 so, so I tell people, so I tell people, if you're going to do this shift, you want to do it in private, or you're going to have doctors and friends thinking that you're a little off. <laughs> <laughs> You've mentioned the 12 steps. Um, what are they? I, I say somewhere in the book, I say I think there's more spiritual work in 12-step programs around the world than in many churches that people attend. What, I, what, I, what I'm saying is that with the 12-step programs, in fact, I wrote a book for a, uh, for a recovery magazine. I don't know if they published it. I wrote an article for them uh, about, uh, about this process where uh, people... You know, they, they go to the people they've offended and they, they ask for apology, and that's, that's, a, that's great. And they go to, uh, you know, they, they work in the program by talking. They'll, stay, they'll, stay on, they'll stand up on stage and they'll talk about their problems or talk about their history or talk about how uh, they couldn't overcome uh, their addiction, whether it's drugs, cigarettes, or uh, alcohol. And so they release themselves to their higher power. And that's absolutely uh, an extraordinary concept. I, think, I believe it came in the 1930s, and what a lot of people might not recognize, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that initially the 12-step program was initially uh, initiated by someone going to the Edgar Casey and getting a reading uh, on these subjects and, and getting suggestions for something of the same. But they will no doubt disclaim that. But uh, so, and so what I'm saying is that, yes, that is how, and, and it, it does and has released people from their addiction. But since they sometimes, and maybe quite often, go to other addictions, whether it's cigarettes or food or, or, or shopping or whatever it is, I don't think it, it gets to the core issue. And that is the experience they had that caught addiction. And sometimes they have to go back, uh, way back uh, to the beginning 
uh, the first time they, 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 they did drugs, the first time they did alcohol, and, and recapitulate that experience and then come forward and recapitulate the chords that were created by that. And I think if they do that step by step, uh, they can uh, release the chords and the energy and they will really be free of it at that time. Uh, and so I think that what I've done, uh, I'm not saying that this is an alternative. I'm saying that uh, this is another technique that they can use uh, along with their 12-step programs uh, to alleviate some of the suffering. Now, I edited two books on 12-step. One is a 12-step Buddhist. And the other one yoga and the 12-step path that did very well. I think the 12-step Buddhist sold like 30,000 copies. And I'll have to say that Darren Little, uh, Little John, who was the author of the book, uh, and talks frankly about his experience. Uh, his experience with addiction, going back to when he was 12 or 13 years old, was astounding to me. Astonishing, I should say. I, I did, not having been around that, or not having to deal that absolutely with that kind of addiction, I was just absolutely flabbergasted at what I was hearing about what he was bringing forward. And then somebody else brought me a book like that that I, I, couldn't, I couldn't edit because it was so horrendous. I just couldn't edit for him because I didn't want to be part of that energy. So, and I, and I say in the book that recapitulation might help uh, it's, it's the only it's, a, it's only an adjunct uh, application that can apply to these sets of problems and that they really do need uh, to go through the program they really might need to seek out psychiatric or psychological help uh, I also talk about later in the book uh, especially since I did the book Yoga the 12 Step Path how yoga can really help uh, yoga can really help with the tense muscles, where all the residue of this trauma gets pushed in. And yoga originally, what happened with yoga originally 2,000, 3,000 years ago when it was first created, it, it, it does something of that. But when you do these yoga exercises, and you do these asanas, and you do them properly, and you use the proper breathing, stuff will come up. Because if you're releasing, you're releasing this, the emotional trauma that has been caught in your muscle structure. And, and, and it will really, you can release that. If you're conscious enough, you can apply any techniques while you're doing that. So yoga has been doing this for a long time. It's not just nothing new to the uh, to yoga and some of its practicing. An another thing that is really, you know, I, I don't get into it in detail in my book, but rolfing, which is really deep muscle massage. I mean, really deep, and it can be painful. It really gets to the really deep hard issues. It's almost like with, with, with recapitulation, getting to the core issue, getting to the really deep thing that you might have to recapitulate experience a half dozen times before you really do that. So yeah, that hopefully, hopefully that answered your question about 12-step programs. It sure did. Um, while writing the, the book, John, did, did it give you a kind of a review of everything you've learned and experienced while writing it? You know, yeah, well, it, it did because I had to, um, uh, I had to apply it step by step. And so by applying it, so actually, this is like a personal journey story. It's my personal journey story. I, I talk about, in, in, I think in the preface of the book, I talk about at some point in my life, uh, I had a, a promise, read my palms. And the palm is what you come in with, supposedly, in this art. Uh, and the right palm is what you make of it. And my left palm, 
uh, is still riddled with hundreds of little lines from I was soon past life. And, and my right arm is like clear as a bell. And she's, and she's saying, how? Never seen that before. What did you do? I said, well, that's what I've been doing all my life, working on these procedures. And so what I did is I went back to the beginning. I didn't chronologically, because yoga was my beginning. And I tell a funny story in the book. I had sleeping as a child, especially as a teenager, uh, because I had a lot of emotional problems. Uh, and uh, like a lot of teenagers have, and I had no way of dealing with it. And so um, I'm, I think I'm 17 or 18 years old. I'm in the library, and I'm, I'm looking through a stack of books, and something, a book falls on my head. Actually, this is a, I swear to God, this is a true story. A book fell on my head, and I picked it up. It was Richard Hillman's book on yoga. <laughs> this is like 1966 or 1967 so you know I was smart enough to sit down and say what is this you know and so I started reading it and I never heard of any of this I said what is meditation what is yoga what is, what is even Hindu I grew up in the south and we didn't we didn't talk about these things Catholic you know educated yeah. so and so I started reading it. I said this makes a lot why didn't anybody tell me about this stuff so I checked out the book followed the procedures and finally bought the book and started practicing yoga when I was like 17 years old and it was amazing. It was an amazing experience. Yeah, and I, I have funny stories when I was doing it at home, standing on my head and having my open the door to my bedroom and knocking me on the floor and I was breaking my neck. <laughs> <laughs> so yoga was the first process and, and it's been lifelong. Since that day, and I'm 70 years old, I've been doing yoga uh, every day for like 50 years. Uh, if I missed 200 days in those 50 years, I'd be surprised. And I'm not talking about two hours of yoga. I'm talking about, I got to practice now where I do like three different types for about 45 minutes. Uh, and I do it at night and I sleep like a baby. And if I don't do it, I, I still sleep pretty well, but the yoga really does help. The yoga does really help. So yes. Going through this and going to, and having to, you know, I had to go back to a recapitulation and review my recapitulation history, and, and that's and and talk about, you know, these things. I had to go back and research some of the books I read 30 years ago, like Gopi Krishna. There's a book on Gopi Krishna uh, on Kundalini Yoga that I read in 1988 when it first came out. And when I picked up the book, I still have every other line is under every other line is under. Uh, it's underlined. Every line of the book is underlined because I was so fascinated by what he was saying. And I I talk about him extensively in the book when I get to those sections of the book. And recently, I, I think I mentioned, I did an article in Mind, Body, Spirit out of England about, uh, called the uh, Nature's Path to Genius, about how rising Kundalini energy can activate higher centers. It did in Mozart and uh, and, in, and Shakespeare, as Gene uh, Kiefer talks about. So, uh, yeah, I had to go back and, and relive those experiences. I had to go back and do some more research, too, because uh, it's one thing to know something uh, instinctively. It's another thing to be able to present it uh, logically and, and, and back it up. So I did do, while I was reading that, I did do research uh, on subjects that I, I, and I, I applied instinctively, but I had to do some on. So it was a, um, and the result of that is, I think after I read it, after I wrote it, it just helped me recommit to my practice because, you know, as you get older, you can, you can start slipping a little. And it just helped me recommit to my practice. Uh, and, uh, and so again, let's say, uh, 
it's a revel it was a revelatory experience for me and I hope it is for the reader uh, who reads the book. You must have found it interesting in someone living in 2018 and discovering some of these therapies that we know and do so regularly today but back then you kind of discovered them on like a on a win or kind of like on accidentally you know yeah it, it, well you know the book also i might mention that the book is heavily influenced by my lifelong study of carl jung's psychology and i and in fact i had two or three chapters devoted to his work and some of his principles but uh there are no accidents you know that book falling on my head was no accident you know i wasn't uh, it wasn't something out of the blue Either some guardian angel knocked it off on my head, <laughs> which my, my Eudora claims, <laughs> or, or I just drew that, and I talk about through the book, how if you create the right energy with the right sincerity, and you listen, I call it a thing called God's, I said God, or the higher force, or angelic realm, is constantly speaking to us and constantly bringing things into our life if we just become aware of them. We just aware of them. And some of these practices did come uh, from, from it seemed synchronistically. They, they seemed like accident, well, accident. They were synchronistic, and it had to do with me being open. Another thing I talk about is both my father and my grandfather, knock on wood, died of uh, uh, from high triglycerides when they were 49 years old the week before Thanksgiving. Both of them, the week before Thanksgiving. When I came to the week before Thanksgiving, that birthday, I took the week off. I went to, <laughs> and went to a cardiologist. <laughs> but I was fine because what had happened when I was in Los Angeles back in the, in the 80s, I came across a product called Kaolic Garlic, liquor Kaolic Garlic. And it's really good for fungal, and I've had a fungal, I've had fungal problems all my life because I don't have the right uh, enzyme that, that to uh, to keep it at bay. So I started taking and and feeling much better. It wasn't until like 15 years later, but my doctor kept telling me, he said, I can't understand why you try glyceride levels to low. I mean, 150 is average, and yours are like 60. So I went back and I and I looked at my what I was doing in my health regimen. And so I went back and I researched uh, kaolic garlic, and what I discovered is that garlic eats up triglycerides. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I drew into my life something that, you know, by being open and being aware and just watching for these signs that was, without even knowing it, probably saved me from a heart attack, you know. Although I still probably eat too much dairy, so I better watch out saying that. <laughs> Just a little thing like that as well. Uh, and I talk about this. I just wrote an article for a Midwest magazine called uh, Is Jogging Only Killing You? Uh, and that's uh, the practice of taking uh, a high, high concentrations of antioxidants. Uh, I did a book, I edited a book called Full by a, a science uh, and doctor and scientist, uh, Dr. Richard Lippmann. Uh, who in 1996 was uh, nominated for the Nobel Prize in Medicine uh, for his work on antioxidants, which go back to the 1980s. And what he discovered, based on the research of uh, uh, Harmon, Dr. Harmon, back in the 60s, who was an animal researcher. And what animal researcher Dr. Harmon discovered in the 1960s was that by feeding mice high concentrations of antioxidants, he was able to their life of 45%. So Richard picked up on this and he realized 
that this was an amazing, uh, this was an amazing story. And he realized that the antioxidants and I'm not, are really important. And I don't mean, but what he did is he, uh, he did this research and he did amazing research and he created a product of his own that is the only product copyrighted by the United States government as an anti-aging product. Because what happened was, Den, Den Hall Harmon, I think his name, his last name is Harmon, I can't think of his first name, Den Hall or something like that. He, uh, he came up with the antioxidant anti-evasion. And, and what he showed is that by taking high concentrations of antioxidants, that you can add another 20 or 30 years to your life. Now, he's a case an example. He was a jogger, in fact, until he was eight, but he, apparently he took large doses of antioxidants all his life, and he died uh, at 98 years old from a, from a illness that was like a stroke accident, and he was healthy that whole time. Uh, and it, and you take you take the 20, you know, 70 from 90 is about 45%, so he extended his life by 45%. Reading Richard's research, I said that, and I never found to, I never got around to buying his product, and I, I bought antioxidants at the uh, at the health food store. But I mentioned this to another client of mine whose book I was writing, and he said, "Have you ever heard of micro?" I said, "No, I never heard of microhydrin." So he told me about the research of uh, Dr. Patrick Flanagan. People might recognize he was the one that came up with the pyramid uh, container craze back in the 1980s. How putting food or vegetables under a pyramid shape uh, will preserve them a lot longer. Dr. Flanagan, who's a who worked for the NASA or one of the government back when he was 17 years old, and came up with amazing types of things. Uh, what he did is he, he he hooked up with a Romanian scientist who was interested in anti-aging. And what the two of them did, what the scientists had done, actually what the scientists had done, he had gone to high in the Himalayas and the Andes of South America where people were drinking glacial water and living disease into their hundreds. And, what he, and he gave some of the water to Dr. Flanagan, and what Dr. Flanagan discovered was it had huge amounts of hydrogen ions, and that was the secret. And so what Dr. Genius is, what so Dr. Flanagan did, is he came up with a process fusing, uh, fusing hydrogen ions into silica particles that time release in your body, and he created this product called microhydrate which later became, was sold as, uh, under one product now, it's called Mega Hydrate. I buy it uh, myself as Mega Hydrate. You can get it on Amazon. Uh, I'll, go, I'll use Mega Hydrate, which is only 300 uh, milligrams per capsule. One 300 milligram capsule has the same antioxidant uh, power as 5,000 glasses of orange juice. That's how powerful it is. Now, to explain the importance of this, in the mitochondria of our cells, Oxygen burns glucose to create ATP, which is what the body, the energy the body runs. Now, in this process of burning this hydrogen, it creates what is called oxides. These oxides are free radicals. Now, in humans, unlike our, our cats and dogs and, other, and lower primates, we, and what sets us apart is that we have developed, that we have evolved uh, enzymes uh, SOD is one of them, sodium dibenzate, I think it's called, uh, and absorb a lot of these oxides during normal living practices. I mean, walking around, uh, driving your car, you know, normally our oxides 
these enzymes absorb that during this process. But when you over-exercise, you can create eight times by doing, by running, let's say running or jogging, you can create eight times as many of these oxides uh, during this process because your energy, because your body is requiring huge amount of extra energy, so it's burning this quicker than these than these enzymes can compete. And this, and these and these oxides of free radicals flood the body and create most of a lot of the diseases that we're plagued with. So by taking free and uh, huge amounts of antioxidants, or taking these these kinds of uh, this type of product, you can offset uh, and and eat up these oxides are being created. So you can take one of these capsules, go run a marathon, and you'll be fine. Because Richard said that these oxides are more damaging to human blood, to human tissue, than, than cyanide. Because when I read that article, I started looking for it because they're more damaging to human tissue than cyanide. So another adjunct to this, although we seem to be getting, although this is covered in the book, so I guess it's something we can talk about because it is in the book. Since both my father and my grandfather died of, uh, of heart disease, I and I have I have high not high but I have LDL. I have a cardiologist. And I go to my cardiologist. He says you should with these LDL levels you should go on on uh, on Lipitor. I said there's no way I'm going on Lipitor. I said you just gave me an ultrasound and there's no arteriosclerosis. He said yeah I can't explain it. I said well I can explain it if you'll just listen. It's not the cholesterol that's causing the plaque and radical that oxidize the cholesterol that turns it to plaque, like oxygen oxidizes iron and turns it to rust. That's what's causing, if you have a, a huge amount of, anti of antioxidants are gobbling up these free radicals, then you can have a, a cholesterol-high diet, and you're not going to turn it into plaque. He said, well, I can't believe that. Look at, the, look at your own ultrasound, of course. You know, the doctors don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear that at all. <laughs> but I think I've gone off on a tangent. Maybe you ought to bring me back. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that, that's good. So, John, with writing the books and living 70 years on the planet, what is your number one advice that you would tell someone on the street or someone you meet for a cup of coffee or whatever? <laughs> Besides reading my book? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, I'll tell you, I would tell them what uh, Schrodinger, atomic scientist, said, the one with, fam with his famous cat. Uh, he said at one point, and there is a, there is a chapter in the book devoted to uh, particle physics and, and, and the discoveries of uh, subatomic physics in the, in the 19th century, or the, excuse me, in the 20th century. All there is is consciousness. We are created from consciousness. Everything we see in the world is created from consciousness. You want to be in tune with the flow of life, the Tao of life, like the ancient Chinese would say, raise your consciousness and become more aware of what is happening around you, in you, and between you with other people. Okay? That's, you want one piece of advice? <laughs> <laughs> I got it. <laughs> um, John, what's in... <laughs> Uh, what's what's in store for you? For you write, you gonna write another book or what? Uh, I have another novel coming out by an English publisher, uh, Roundfire Books, uh, called The Miracle of Anna. Uh, it comes out in January. It's a novel published by them in England, and it'll be available in the U.S. as well. Uh, and it's called Anna. It's about the birth of an avatar uh, in America, a child avatar who's a girl, and 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 the, the thrust of the book is. How do you raise 
a totally conscious child in an unconscious world. And this happens in California. And so the, the uh, 20-something uh, Hindu yogi American woman, 20-something woman, uh, who's told by her, her guru that she's going to give birth during the avatar, this girl from the onslaught of the I mean, totally conscious beings. I mean, we killed Christ because he was totally conscious. You know, so it's just like, uh, I think it was, uh, I'm just trying to think of that scientist, uh, the organ box, you know, okay. I can't think of his name right now. We, we, we put him in jail. So it's just raising a totally conscious child who can heal anybody by touching them. Uh, discipline such a child, that's what the book's about. So that comes out in January uh, 2019. Uh, what I've done is, interviews and doing the publicity on my book and actually books publication and and we done with this and working with recapitulation uh, brought me back to a novel i wrote when i was living in santa fe new mexico working at their company which which does mesoamerica and shamanic books uh, i remember that novel and it was based on it's called new mexican standoff and it's based on uh, this mystery writer couldn't and me uh getting caught between native american shaman and Toltec Brujos in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and a warfare between the two of them, and how he had to reach his conscience to, con- to contend. It's absolutely hilarious, and uh, I've, uh, I'm gonna self-publish that book. I just had the cover done, I love the cover. Uh, I spent 100 hours going over it, and because I wrote it 20 years ago, and there's definitely a lot of improvement that needs to be done, and, and uh, that's the next thing I'm gonna do, and then after so, I'm gonna put that up on my website, which is, www.johnnelsonbookworks.com uh, where, where all my other books are listed and all the books I've edited and my processes and edits explained there as well. We will need, need my services in any capacity. So yeah, I think that's, that's what I'm doing next. And then after that, you know, the publisher, uh, I, did, I did call Anna because and I met her up to the age of seven and I wanted to, and I think I'm doing a sequel, a second book, with her as a teenager and young 20, being totally conscious because, you know, and as a contrast to what happens to our teens and our 20-somethings and the problems they, and she might have something to uh, to how elevating your consciousness and how to deal with that, with those problems that teenagers and young 20-somethings do. So I'm thinking that's the next book I'll probably write. But uh, I just finished writing a uh, a screenplay adaptation with a Hollywood screenwriter on my novel, Matrix of the Gods. And we have uh, an, uh, an actor, a big time actor who's interested in it, so we'll see if something comes of that. Oh yeah, and I, uh, I uh, with the same writer, I, I collaborated with her a screenplay about Shakespeare's uh, uh, esoteric education in the 1500s, 1590s. And she's, she's got somebody who's interested in that, so we'll see what happens. It seems like uh, there's some possibilities brewing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got a lot of fires on the on the burner there. Um, all right, John, I want to say thank you very much for coming onto the show and uh, sharing uh, what you got to share, man. Uh, thank you very much for having me. Thank you for spending the time to listen to the show. If you want to learn more, check out sansit.com. That's s a n c i t dot com. Join Sansit Group on Facebook and contact us if you have any questions. Until next time, have an awesome day and rock on.